Hello, and welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are a faith-filled, family-focused church that's in Lakeville, Minnesota. In a moment, you'll be able to hear a sermon from one of our pastors. We hope that you enjoy and grow closer to God through these messages. And now, for a sermon from our lead pastor, Derek Ross. Yeah, amen. Well, it's great to see what God's doing all around the world, amen? amen. Maybe you remember Sam Johnson being with us last November, and we've been uh, helping for a little while. We've done some stuff in Tanzania and Nepal, where a group of us were right before COVID shut everything down, and um, now India, but it's kind of been a touch and go, mostly not go <laughs> in India with that, but it's so great to see way more than uh, building buildings. Amen. But buildings where pastors can be trained and then churches can be planted. Amen. And so we're uh, so committed to that. You heard about that a little bit more with Pastor Ekra last week from Ivory Coast. And we're just so excited about what God is doing all around the world and that he's letting us be part of it. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm continuing uh, our Sizzling Summer series. And uh, it was so great for uh, my parents to be with us this last week and then some of those extra meetings that my dad got to share uh, last Sunday. I got them to the airport yesterday morning at five o'clock and uh, they had a delay. <laughs> First flight of the day, they had a delay. They were on the airplane and the toilet kept flushing and there was nobody in the bathroom. So uh, they were delayed, which meant they missed their connection. And I don't know what time they got back home yesterday, but they got there. And, um, you know, they've been my family my whole life, but one of the things that I was reminded of this morning, even on the way in, is uh, they're always like my blood family, but, you know, for the last seven years, I've been so thankful for my church family here at Celebration, because we've got to go through, we've had the privilege of going through life together. We've seen kids graduate, and birthdays, and family situations. We've celebrated highs, we've mourned lows, and uh, I did love having my parents with me the last week, but it's such a joy each week. It was one of the things that I missed so much during COVID when we were weren't supposed to get together because some of us, uh, I mean, we didn't for a while, but then, you know, some of us got together a little bit sooner than others, but I'm just so used to those moments of family in the lobby. I'm just used to hearing how your family's doing and sharing with mine and praying together, celebrating those moments. And so many of us missed that for a while. And I just, I'm, I'm older. I think that my birth certificate says like, not in a weird way, but I just trend older that like, that's why we have paper note sheets, you know, because a lot of churches I know in COVID, they were like, cool. Now we just do the app. I'm like, we got the app too. Too, but I'm, I like paper. I print my notes. I don't have an iPad. You know what I mean? Like I just, that's me. You can have one. They're still anointed if you read the word, but um, this is our family. We get to go through those moments. And I was thinking about some people this past week we were praying for, been, uh, some been going through adoption processes. Some been going through IVF stages. Some through the kids have been going crazy and, and uh, life's been joined together. We've seen people celebrate good things, right? I preached that message, Swipe Righteous. Since then, Matt Owens decided he liked it, so he put a ring on it, so him and Ashton got engaged. So, like, we celebrate those kind of things. Um, but then we also, you know, the, the Lord moves people on. It's just, but this has been our family, and so we're thankful for that. Um, I was thinking this morning, you know, uh, uh, the Lamberts, they've been part of our family for a while, but now they're moving. Uh, so it, it's to Ohio, so we don't really care, but, you know, uh, but we still love them, right? That's what family does. And I can't imagine going through this life without a family like this. I was talking with Ruth Swanson before she'd celebrated a birthday 
and it was however many, none of your business this past week. And uh, she just said, you know, I got to celebrate it with so many friends from this church. I'm just so thankful for the friends and family that we get to go through life with. I'm going to talk a little bit about that today. Um, It's kind of like, even as we continue this series, we're at the midway point of the summer. Uh, You know, last week I jokingly said I should preach about rain. How many people got a little bit of rain yesterday? Come on. Maybe next week I'll preach on pay raises. I don't know. You know seems, seems like it's working. Somebody got engaged. We had rain. Even the Norwegians got excited at that sermon. Praise the Lord. Um, uh, but uh, God's doing great things. And, you know, I was just reminded, even on Wednesday, we were watching uh, Chosen. Uh, Wednesday nights up in the chapel. And I'd never seen that film. It's talking a lot about the life of Jesus. And I haven't seen the film, but I'm pretty familiar with the story. You know what I mean? So I've read the book. So some of you will get that later. And, uh, but I could just tell on Wednesday night, uh, I had, I was with the youth the week before. And so the, I got to watch on Wednesday night and it was the first time I had seen Jesus on the screen. You know, I've met him personally. Thank you very much. But, uh, even when he came on the screen, I could tell it was him. Before he had a speaking part, before he did a miracle, I could just tell there was something different about him, even on that movie. And there was just, I was reminded, he, he had encountered the fishermen. They had fished all night, and he had said, just put your net out on the other side. Now, that didn't make sense, because he was a carpenter. They were fishermen. They knew what they were doing, but it was Jesus. And in just a moment, their lives were changed. They caught so many fish, they didn't even know what to do with it all. Uh, in the movie, they got to pay off all their debts. I didn't read that part in the Bible. That may have been theatrical edition, but it was fine. But in the moment of receiving everything that they needed or really that they wanted, they got everything they needed and they left everything to follow Jesus. And I was just reminded, even in a movie upstairs and I wasn't preaching, I wasn't leading, I was just reminded, we're here for more than religious routine. Like when we gather as the family of God, when we pray, we've got a doctor appointment coming up, we've got a kid going through this, we've got a family moving or somebody coming in. When we gather together, it's in his name and in his presence and where he is, anything is possible. It's not just because we didn't know what else to do. So we can make a casual remark about, oh, swipe righteous. We can make a passing comment. We need some rain or pay raises, right? But when we gather together, anything's possible in his presence that when we pray, it's not because we we didn't know what else to do, but like we actually believe that when we pray for a miracle, he can and will do it in Jesus' name. Amen. So it's uh, this kind of series, and I'm excited for it. We're looking forward. And so these next uh, four messages that I'll share are going to be a lot about kind of who we are, what we do. They're a little bit about of a vision for who we are. I've been able to share this message with about 700 pastors uh, this spring, but I hadn't really preached it. Um, with us. And so uh, God's helped me with that. I've changed a little bit because it's a little bit different to preach to your own church than it is to pastors of other churches. But I think it's important for all of us to kind of know what kind of a family we are. You know, some people say that when you you date and you you marry somebody, you marry their family. I mean, not really, because that'd be weird. You know what I'm saying? I married his daughter. I did not marry him. Thank you very much. But, uh, when, when you do get married, you do get a whole new family. So I want you to know what your family here at Celebration really looks like. But I, want, I believe that according to scripture, I want you to see a little bit more what the family of God looks like. But it's going to be important for us uh, going forward. So uh, that's where we have it and this is what we see. So if you have a Bible, you could turn to Romans chapter 15. If you're able, would you stand to your feet this morning as we read God's word together? We are a Bible church. Amen. 
We don't just look at what the news has to say and formulate our opinions from that. We don't just look at uh, history books and say, what has been the common wisdom of man? We look to the word of God. We look to the person of Jesus. He's revealed in scripture through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And we uh, do that again today. Romans chapter 15. I got a few verses. Eventually I will get to that note sheet. I promise I got long intro today. Uh, but I think it's a better uh, in need for us to have a better understanding of what it is we're called to do and uh, talk about some of these. I've titled the message, Necessary Tensions. I was told by people who work out <laughs> that tension is what makes you stronger. That if, if you don't feel that strain, you won't build any muscle. I believe we need a strong church in these days. We need strong believers to combat the powers of darkness, to push back the kingdom of darkness and expand the kingdom of light. And so we're going to need to lean into some of these tensions. They're going to make us stronger. They're not always going to be comfortable, but I think they're necessary. Amen. So we're going to see that. And uh, maybe a better title, uh, the one I liked, but our staff told me it was not better, was called Ministry in the Middle. So we're going to talk about that. All right, let's look at this. Romans chapter 15, verses 5 and 6. The Bible reads like this. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude toward each other that Christ Jesus had. (laughs) How many people think we need people with the same attitude as Jesus Christ? As we look around our world and our society, I think that attitude is available to far more than are receiving it. (laughs) That's a nice way to say people are not acting like Jesus. He said, I pray that you'd have the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind, somebody say one mind, and with one voice, you may glorify God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to need one mind and one voice. He also said it this way, the Corinthian church, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 10, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, and I do that this morning as well. In the name of our Lord Jesus, that all of you agree with one another in what you say so that there may be no divisions among you, but that you may be perfectly united in mind and thought. I want to talk about necessary tensions or subtitled ministry in the middle. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the opportunity we've been given to worship you freely. Where we live here in America, we all have been given church choice. And today we're not here by accident, but I believe by the leading of your Holy Spirit, and I ask that you would reveal yourself to us today. May we leave more committed to your church, to becoming more like you, so that those who've never heard will one day hear, be able to live forever with you in heaven. And join us around the throne on that day and declare worthy is the lamb that was slain. Help us today. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Hopefully you got that note sheet. I'll get to it eventually. Ministry in the middle or necessary tensions. I think it's interesting that the apostle Paul exhorted the Corinthian believers. He said, let there be no divisions among you. That is still needed today. You know, I I don't think we should be surprised that there are many divisions in our society today. You know, the truth is it's the logical result. It's the logical progression of being told, do what you think is right. 
It's the logical end to just follow what you think feels good. It's the logical progression of selfish thinking. How does it make me feel? What do I think about it? Everyone has become a critic, right? Social media gave everybody a platform. And all of a sudden, so, so I just don't think we should be surprised that the result of selfish thinking is division. What is extra scary for me, though, friends, is when we see just as much division within the body of Christ as outside of it. Now, I'm not here to say which percentage. I, let's just say there's way too much division within the body of Christ. And that's what really concerns me because I remind us, Paul was not writing to the unsaved. Paul was writing to the believers, the the, the called out ones, the church at Corinth. And Paul was saying, in your church, there shouldn't be divisions among you. It's rational. It makes sense that people out there who don't have the shared hope of Jesus Christ, it makes sense that they'd always be fighting and feuding and can't figure out how to get along. But people who've been changed should be changed. People who've been transformed ought to think differently. What did he tell the church in Rome? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You can't think like you used to. You gotta be different. And if there's no difference, then is there any difference? (laughs) In our society, it seems that unity has been reduced to uniformity. Social media, we can unfollow, we can unfriend anyone that says something that we're not really sure totally represents everything about us. And especially over these last two years, I think it's become easy for many, this is regardless of claim to faith, regardless for anybody to reduce their circle in life down to people that they think agree with them on everything. Notice the key is I said they think they agree with them on everything. Because if you have enough conversations with anybody, you'll find out you don't agree with them on everything. I've talked with myself enough to know I disagree with myself sometimes. This happened to me in a meeting last week. On Monday, I was meeting for a couple hours and I was arguing this way for a while. And then by the end of it, I was arguing over here. They're like, Pastor, you need to make up your mind. I was like, I changed my mind. Actually, I didn't. I believe both of them. I'm frustrated and I'm faith-filled. Like, yeah, welcome to my life. You know, like, that's just, that's, talk longer. You'll find out you disagree with yourself too. <laughs> and if you don't disagree with yourself, let me just clue you in. We disagree with you. Praise the Lord. So you're never going to agree. You're never going to agree with everybody, but it, it's made us think that we will. Um, I, I love solving problems. I always have. I enjoyed math because there's a right answer. That's it, you know. I got in trouble because I didn't show my work, and that was a struggle for me because I was like, but I gave you the right answer. And the point is not to show my work. The point is to have the right answer. That's why I like math. There's a right answer. Some of the other subjects, there's not a right answer. There's the one my teacher liked more. Who are you to tell me if my essay was good or not? Math, there's a right answer. I like fixing problems because there's a right answer. Turns out it was why it was a good fit for celebration for me. (laughs) (laughs) 
If you don't understand that joke, ask somebody who laughed. They were here seven years ago. There was ample problems to be fixed. No, really. Um, But I struggle when it's not about the right answer anymore. 2020 kind of took away the math problem, right answer solution in our society. Somewhere with COVID and switching regulations or recommendations, along with us here in the Twin Cities, uh, the racial strain that the rest of the world followed uh, what was happening here, the economic uncertainty. It wasn't so much about fixing problems anymore. I noticed myself increasingly frustrated because I couldn't tell somebody, just be quiet or speak up or don't do that and do this. I remember leading through that pandemic and it was like, we tried to do one thing and some people got mad. Then we tried to do something else and then other people got mad. I was like, I'm mad. (laughs) And I was here for both of it, you know. We were like pastoring different services, different groups of people. It was just, it was crazy. I and a mentor told me at some point, middle of 2020, I don't even remember. And he said, you know, Derek, there's, sometimes there are problems to be fixed, to be solved. And sometimes there are tensions to be managed. And he said, so many times we look at people like a problem to be fixed instead of just a person to love. And it was in that moment some things shifted for me. It was a freeing feeling for me, actually, because then I didn't have to try to fix you anymore. Or our government or any of that. Like, it just, I was like, whatever. You know what I mean? Just do it. That's fine. <laughs> I just unfollowed you, too. That's fine. You know, so <laughs> if you do it, I do it. You know, whatever. So, um, but it wasn't without struggle. Because the truth is, I couldn't help but feel called to the ministry in the middle. I couldn't help but say, it's not just this or that. There's, there's a vast area of people in between. And I'm not talking about biblically right and biblically wrong. What I'm just saying is we are all on some spectrum, some myriad, and we've been forced into being said, if you say this, it means that. And if you believe this, it means that. But I just couldn't help it. I was like, God, I feel called to ministry in the middle. And and something that i found is that it's really difficult to do ministry in the middle. Even a lot of my colleagues, other pastors have abandoned ministry in the middle because it seems our society rewards the loud ones on either extreme. And at times I've asked God, God, I'll just want to pastor crazy people too. I don't know. I mean, that's already happening, but I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like loud, crazy people (laughs) where it's just one kind of people who think one kind of way, who, who, who live one kind, you know, because it's easier if you're all the same. Have you found that to be true? It's easier if you're the same, but I don't think it's better. I really don't. I don't think it reflects the kingdom if we only have relationship with people that are exactly like us. Longer intro. I want to convince you of the need for ministry in the middle because it's important for you to know why our church looks like and does things a certain way because you're going to be frustrated. 
welcome to celebration, okay? You know, like, if I'm frustrated, you might as well be as well. So, you know, but you need to know this because when it happens, when there's a difference, you go, oh yeah, pastor told us, we saw this in scripture, this is what we're doing, but we think it's worth it. Okay, so ministry in the middle. I, I thought, surely there had to be some great times of ministry in the middle. Well, I think the most important one was Jesus was crucified in the middle, right between two thieves, right? So if Jesus died there, maybe we can suffer a little bit in the middle too. I don't know. But it wasn't just a geographic statement of Jesus was in the middle. He was in the middle of them spiritually speaking, right? It was two thieves. They deserved death. He didn't. Where did Jesus find himself? On one side, a thief was mocking him, was ridiculing him, was criticizing him. And on the other side was somebody who was like, I need what you have. I think the church of Jesus Christ, I think believers, I think you and I ought to be somewhere in between those who are mocking and ridiculing and just saying there's no hope and those who say, I need what you have. Because here's what I know. If we're not willing to do ministry in the middle, how will this side ever hear? Because I don't know if you've noticed it, friends, news outlets don't really interview normal pastors. They interview all the crazy ones. I'm like, they're not like me. Quit talking to them. You know, like my friends, we make fun of that pastor too. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't ask them nothing. I don't like hearing from them and I'm not sure Jesus does. Leave them alone, you know? So we need people who will be committed to ministry in the middle, who will live it out so that it's not just extreme voices that are the only ones heard. But I also thought like disciples, they got a revelation of Jesus in the middle. Jesus was doing great ministry on the seashore. And what did he tell them? He said, let's go to the other side. So they were doing great ministry here. He said, we're going to go over there. There's going to be great ministry over there. And on the way, the wind and the waves blew and the disciples freaked out. And then Jesus spoke and he said, peace be still. And the disciples were like, wow, what happened? There was ministry in the middle. It's not where Jesus was preaching to large groups of people. It's not where they were going. But in the middle, they got a revelation of who Jesus was. So we can't be scared. I don't think, biblically, we can't be scared or avoid the middle because there's great ministry that is needed in this world right in the middle. Ezekiel says it this way, Ezekiel 22 and verse 30. God says, I looked for someone among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap. I think the word of the Lord there is I looked for somebody to do ministry in the middle. It says that they would build up the wall and stand in the gap on behalf of the land so that I would not destroy it. He needs somebody to do ministry in the middle. Look around, friends, at our nation. <laughs> There are without questions holes in our wall. And that is not a border wall reference. That's the moral fabric of our society reference. You don't have to be a Christ follower to be concerned at the shift in belief regarding gender and sexuality or the lack of protecting and valuing life. There is much ministry in the middle to be done. So I want to talk about four attentions that we're going to feel as we go forward in ministry in the middle. Number one, there's a generational tension. 
Again, so many times we avoid tension, but I believe it's in that tension. If we'll lean into it together, it'll make us stronger. And we need a strong church in these dark times. We need strong believers in these perilous days. We can't have any more wimpy Christians. We can't have any more ineffective churches. We need strong believers. Amen. This is what he said. It's a generational anointing, and so we can't be scared of it. Joel 2, 28 and 29, he said, I'll pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Friends, I'm more convinced than ever. We are living in those days. The spirit of God is being poured out and we can't afford to leave out one over the other. We need old men and women to dream dreams and we need young men to see visions. I, I, took, I did some research this week. I was asking a bunch of pastors about what the difference between those dreams and visions are. Let me tell you, we don't know for sure. People think they know. They're like, oh, one's got steps to get there. That's all fine. But what I'm telling you is I don't think the important part of this passage is what's the difference between a dream and vision. I think the important thing is old people and young people, men and women are supposed to get something from God. The important thing is that we need the old and the young together. Uh, I would say it's young and old, but I also think that this generational tension is not just the dates on our birth certificates. It may be the way in which we were raised. I tend to be aligned a lot more with people older than me than with people younger than me. I did not create a single social media account that I have. (laughs) Didn't care to. Truth is, if I wasn't a pastor, I wouldn't have one. I get too many prayer requests to it though. So, you know, anyway, so... My wife made my Facebook account after we got married. I'm like, what do I need a Facebook account for? I met you, you know, <laughs> arranged marriage. I didn't need Facebook. I just got married. It's good, you know, so. And then after we moved here, Jeff Dio made my Instagram account. <laughs> he was like, Pastor Derek, how do you not have Instagram? I was like, what's Instagram? You know what I mean? Like, I don't, don't know, don't care. Now they're like linked together and I'm post, but anyway. So I just trend older that my birth certificate says. I like that. I tend to hang out with people at different stages of life. And anyway, there's a lot of groups in our nation, yes, even a lot of churches that pick one generation over the other because it's easier in your marketing if you design a product that's just for old people or young people Depends on which uh, account they're going to advertise on, but (laughs) it's just easier if you just, I I hear this in the church world even where pastors would say, well, what's your target audience? I'm like, people? (laughs) (laughs) But you know, you can notice this in church. Like some churches seem like they're really only for old people. And some churches seem like they're only for young people. Some churches, I'll get to it later, seem like they're only for one like color of person, right? So it's just easier if you have a target demographic. I'll say it this way. There are many, I won't say what, because you know, I'm not a negative complaint about other people, pastors, but 
There are many churches or pastors that say, I'm going to go after half of my town and just forget about the other half. And a different church that's going the other way can also go after them. It's actually easier if you just pick one generation. Say, we're just for old people. We're just for young people. Bummer for y'all is that's not us, <laughs> right? We say it this way, we're a church for every generation. So we're going to have great kids ministry, student ministry. We're going to resource, invest, that kind of stuff. But we also got seniors ministry. And then we got everybody in the middle ministry. I don't know what our ministry is, but you know, anyway, that's us too. So because it's important, friends, that we remember no generation has ever discipled itself. And no generation has multiplied their ministry if it stopped with them. So we need the wisdom of one generation. We need people who've been there, done that, gone through it, seen the ups, the downs, been there, to, to be able to impart that wisdom. So we need people willing to share, and then we need people willing to listen. Right? That's one of the things we've lost with Google as a society. I notice again, like we've lost the need for grandparents in our society. Because you Google, how long do I make this pie for? I know the young people are like, we don't make pies. We order them on DoorDash. That's another problem. That's another problem, friends. You order $12 of food and it costs you $38 by the time the fees were done. Knock it off. I'm trying to help you. This is not a budget. That's in a couple weeks. I'm going to help you get a budget. But anyway. If we're going to have all that God has for us in these days, it can't be one or the other. Listen, I just want to say as clearly as I can, it was not a cool youth leader that taught me how to pray. It was a seasoned saint who'd been there, done that. And he said, come here, son, not my dad. And you know, they, back in the day, everybody was a son, you know? Now we're like, not my son. Anyway, okay, that's a different, that's, that's a different, that's a different message. Um, he said, come here, son, let me teach you how to pray. The first time I ever prayed for an hour, was with a senior man in our church in Seattle. And I could tell it was not his first time teaching somebody how to pray. If we want all that God has for us. But it's got to be more than a give and take. Oh, this is the old people day. Go ahead. Okay, now it's the young people day. I sure hate it too, but that's, you know, does that make sense? It can't be give and take. It's not, you think about it like in your marriage or a friendship. If, if it's just a transactional relationship where it's like give and take, oh, we had pizza last night, I hate pizza. You know, come on, like you gotta have, are we better together or not? Like, are, are we going to say we want a multiplication, right? We read in the Old Testament, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'm convinced. Abraham tried to kill Isaac. Remember that part of the story? I'm convinced generational ministry is frustrating. <laughs> but I think it's worth it. And it's the only way to sustain a move of God beyond our time. We need to lean into and be okay with this generational tension. All right, number... Uh, yeah, let me go to number two. I know, but the problem is I still got on a whole other page. I'm going to go to number two. I'm just going to skip all the way to it because I got four points. Okay, number two. This may be one you want the notes on. Okay, number two. Uh, it's a cultural tension. So we might have thought young and old. Initially, you might be thinking black and white, but I would suggest it's a lot more than just that. But there's a cultural tension. 
Look at this in Revelation 7 and 9. In heaven, it's going to be awesome. But on earth, it's still a struggle. He said, after this, I looked. Before me, there was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language. Standing before the throne and before the land, they were wearing white robes. They were assembled as a God choir and were holding palm branches. That's funny because I grew up in church with choir robes, okay? And they cried in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. They were from a bunch of different backgrounds. They looked different, but they said the same thing. Here's the deal, friends. Different is not wrong. It's just different. Right? And so we need to celebrate those differences instead of criticizing them. We live in a time where it seems like one people group can only flourish at the expense of another one. It seems like that's the messaging. But that's not true biblically. Biblically, no one's asked to lay down their culture for the other, but it is uh, gathering together to worship the name of Jesus. Right? We, we need different voices speaking the same vision. Have you ever noticed that you, you can say something to your kid for a bunch of times and then they go to a camp and they come back, they're like, this was so awesome. Oh, what'd they say? And they said the same thing you've been telling them for 20 years. But it was a different voice speaking the same thing. They were like, changed my life. I'm like, what do you think I've been saying every day? So I feel when we have a guest speaker, you're like, oh, best message ever. I'm like, that's what I've been telling you for seven years. (laughs) No, but it's why it's important that we have different voices. I just don't do that good at it. That's why we're doing a lot more in the summer. Because once I get on a roll, I don't like not preaching. So I just, you know, I I told some of our staff, it's like, oh, you could preach once this summer or this year. And then it came to the summer. And the only time I didn't preach was when I had COVID. And so we're just believing that's not happening again this year. So I had to schedule it. And so that's great. But I don't like it, but I think it's great. You know, meaning I just, I love every time, even having my dad, I was like, oh, I'm glad he's here, but I wish I was preaching. I love, I love, I love the journey of crafting the word of the Lord for the people. And I just love it. But I think we need different voices speaking the same vision. That's why it's so important that we believe in the priesthood of all the believers. We can't just say, when somebody has a question about God, well, get an appointment with the pastor. We can't help nearly enough people if everybody needs to meet with me. Right? We, we need each and every person on a Monday to be like, I could pray with you about that. I could read the word with you about that. I don't know either, but we could journey together. We need everybody on this mission together. So some of that stuff, uh, culture that looks like for us, you know, um, the second Sunday of November every year, we do something called Taste of Nations. It used to be called International Food Festival. Now we call it Taste of Nations. And we gather and, and we hear about what God has done in the last year around the world through our Kingdom Builders efforts. And we have vision for the year ahead. But one of the things that's unique to our church about that is we do it kind of potluck style, and uh, which is why we had to take a little break during COVID because that was definitely one of the things you weren't sure of, like who sneezed on their casserole, you know? <laughs> and so we, uh, but anyway, we ask everybody to bring a dish Uh, food to share from their cultural heritage, right? So uh, Pastor Vicente, he's from Colombia and Spain, so he brought paella, but he made it from a box. So, you know, I don't know, like that's just, you know, shows he's American, you know? (laughs) This is what it means to me, but I faked it, you know, like that's white people right there. But anyway, um, so we eat his paella and and then uh, we, we had some some of our francophone, African people, they, they brought like a whole fish, you know, with the head still on it. And uh, 
we had some white people that brought Kentucky Fried Chicken. Come on, somebody, right? I enjoyed that. Domino's Pizza. <laughs> I know who that was. You know, we had some of our Indian uh, friends bought butter chicken. It was uh, not spicy, but Pastor Dan thought he was going to die. And because um, he's so white, ketchup is spicy. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's Pastor Dan. Um, uh, by the way, that's not white. That's Norwegian. Okay, so because some of us like that stuff, you know, and... Um, but then we had some Norwegians, some Minnesotans. You brought tater tot hot dish casserole, whatever you want to call it, right? Because that was your cultural heritage. And you know what? I'll never forget. I remember we had a gal, uh, Asha Boki, she's from Argentina. And she said that was the first hot dish casserole she ever had in her life. Because one of the great things I think is that our society's missed a little bit. It's not just about cultures of the world coming here and we get a taste. There's something special about everybody. It, it works both ways. And, and if we only have church or we only have relationship or we only eat with people just like us, we'll never experience the goodness of God in the same way around that table. And so that's important. I hope you make that a priority uh, on your space. And we're trying to figure out, that's one of the reasons we love worship night so much, quarterly on Wednesday night. Now it's a Wednesday night, so not as many people come, but uh, it's still awesome. And, and we get to have worship all together and all the different worship teams together and languages. And it's a lot of work for them. I show up just the same, you know, but, but it's a lot of work for the worship teams to do it. But there's something that elevates in our, pre, in our spirit, in the presence, when we realize, or we're reminded really, because I think we all know it, but when we're reminded that following Jesus, the kingdom of God is way bigger than just myself. Even if I don't know the words, I still experience his presence. Even if I don't agree with everything, I, right? There's something that happens that kind of forces us to set our preferences aside and to appreciate the diversity of what God has created. So we got to lean into that cultural tension. Uh, make no mistake, the tension is not without struggle, but it's going to be continual until we get to heaven. I mentioned this before, the 2020 census in America said that 50% of every kid in America under the age of 15 is brown or mixed. What does that mean? If your family is all white right now, it won't be in 10 years. Because here's, here's what I noticed. I was preaching, I was sharing this with the Hmong pastors at the National Hmong Conference Fellowship, Fellowship Conference, and there were all Hmong people there, except for me and Pastor Vicente. So it was Hmong people, a Colombian, Spanish dude, and a white guy. And I said, here's the thing. Give it a decade, and it's not going to be all Hmong people at the Hmong Fellowship. They were like, no, that's not true. I said, let me prove it to you. Us white people, we're marrying everyone. If we eat your food, we marry you. That's how it works. Like, like that's the deal. We're like, we like that. We, that's how we do it. Yeah, now you're in the family, right? And so, so I said, give it 10 years and some Hmong girl's gonna marry a white dude because he likes her cooking. And next thing you know, you got a multicultural fellowship. And then I had one pastor raise his hand. He said, that happened to us last year. <laughs> I said, I told you we're marrying everybody. That's how we're, you know, but, but here's the reality. Every year that goes by, our lives will continue to become more multicultural. When I shared this in rural Wisconsin, I was like, I know it'll take a while to get here. 
I was the darkest person. No, Bishop Harvey was there. That was awesome. You know, everybody looked like Pastor Dan. I had a tan. They were like, welcome. You know, no, Bishop Harvey was there. But I said, it might take a while to get to rural Wisconsin, but here's the deal. As the world continues, this is what's happening. So right now, it's 50% of everybody under the age of 15. In 10 years, it'll be more. That's how it works, friends. That's just the math of the equation. So why not lean into it? I just want to say this. Don't be scared of it. You, you could turn off what, what the media is telling you. Be scared of somebody that doesn't look like you or those kind of things. Like, listen, there's people you should be scared of, but it doesn't have to do with what they look like. <laughs> there's some people you should be scared of no matter what, right? So I'm just saying, why not be a people? If we can lean into it together, I believe that's what we see in scripture in the book of Acts that there was people with different backgrounds, different languages, but they received the power of the Holy Spirit together and it was noticeable to their whole community. What we read in the book of Acts, again, I'll, I'll dive into this for the whole fall as we preach that. It was the thing called homothumadon. And what it meant is different people with the same passion. And it was so noticeable that thousands of people were getting saved. The Bible said every day. Even back then, it was incredible to see different people have the same passion. And I want to say one of the things that we have to be cautious about, and I want to say this carefully, one of the things that we have to be cautious about in a good-hearted I haven't written this down, so if I need to apologize for it, just give me a little bit of grace. If we have to delete it from the thing, we will, but... We have to be careful about fighting for our spot. I understand as a white man, probably society doesn't care what I have to say about this, but I'm gonna say it anyway, because I'm the pastor. We have to be careful that we don't too much just fighting for how I like it in my circle or my people or my language, whatever, right? Because we're not really, I mean, we need times like that. We, we have age appropriate for kids, you know, ministry and that kind of stuff. But we have to be careful that we don't continually go away from each other because we never become more like each other, more like Christ if we're always apart. We need times where we are together. It's why we talk about, right, as like a family values thing, just so it's not about a race anymore. As a family, it's important for you to find time. Is that a family dinner? Is it a road trip? Like, when are you gonna get together? Because uh, people's electronic devices pull them in their own way. And, and TikTok and YouTube and ESPN do more time in, um, influencing each of our lives than we do as a family. So it's important that we come back to the table as a family, as a church, as a people, and we say, we should actually be at the same table, not just make our own table. Yeah. All right, if I need an email on that, send it to Pastor Dan. He deletes them. Okay, number three. I'm just kidding. He doesn't delete them. He sends them to me. <sighs> he does. I'm like, just delete it. I don't want to hear it. Okay, number three. Here's another one that I don't want your email about. Political tension. Political tension. You just, you know, get ready for it. November's coming, and uh, here we are. This is what, though I think biblically we need to be reminded of. Paul told young Timothy, I charge you in the sight of God and Christ Jesus and the elect angels to keep these instructions without partiality and to do nothing out of favoritism. The truth is, I can't think of a more partial system that shows favoritism than our political system. It'd be nice if it wasn't two options, 
But that's what it is, for real. I know some of you are like, oh, third party is a chance. They don't. <laughs> Not right now. Not right now. That's fine. Waste your vote. Doesn't matter. I'm just saying. But here's what I know. I think out of a good heart, many people, myself included, have completely avoided the political arena. And I say that because my dad had always told me, you know, if you want to grow a church, you know, you got to make it about Jesus. You got to avoid controversial subjects. And politics has always been controversial. And the truth is, I think we are experiencing right now, we didn't realize it until these last two years, but we're experiencing right now what I would say is in large part Christians who have removed themselves from the political arena. Now, that's not to say we don't have some politicians that follow Jesus. I'm just saying like in large part. And what we have is now, uh, I could think even down on the local level, what we have is some people because Christians were like, I don't care who's on a school board. Now what we have is we have some school boards that really don't represent the biblical values that we hold, but I would take it a step further. They don't even represent the community in which they live. And there was something that we missed in a heart to love our neighbor and just keep the main thing the main thing. We just abandoned an arena that we've now found out have so much influence over what is taught to our kids. It was so funny that so many times, you know, we've seen... I've mentioned this before, but so much difference between Muslims and standard white conservative Christians, it seems like everything in our society and a lot of conversations only about the differences, but you know, recently, even in our local community, it's brought those two groups together to say, we've allowed some stuff with gender and sexuality to go too far, at least where we live in Prior Lake. I never thought I'd see the day where the rallying thing that would bring Muslims and Christians back together is we have a teacher that in their yearbook, their photo is dressed up as a cat. That's for real, by the way. We have that yearbook. Prior late. That's too far. This won't be the part of the sermon that we post online. By the, I mean, it'll be posted, but it won't be the sermon clip that we're like, come back to celebration. Pastor made fun of the teacher wearing a cat costume. But I'm just saying, like, you don't have to be a Christian to go, I don't really think that is the right thing. So what we need is Christians to get re-engaged in a process without putting our hope in that system. Right? I get no matter what law we pass, no matter who we elect, salvation is found in Jesus alone. You can't legislate the forgiveness of sins. You can't legislate the love for your neighbor. So we need to be involved, but we shouldn't put our hope in that. But I don't think we can avoid it anymore. See, there was a time where, where you could just generalize Oh, this is what that group was in this. But, but we can't let political parties hijack biblical values. What do I mean? Like, like valuing life, unborn and born, is not a political campaign issue. It's like a Bible issue, right? So like we can't just avoid it or be silent on it. But, but at the same time, you know, like loving your neighbor, by the way, is like a Jesus comment. It's not like vote for me and I'll do this. But our system has become so based upon partiality and favoritism that even when all of us know something's right, 
We've got politicians trading things with each other. It's, it's based upon favors or pork belly situations, pork barrel, whatever. I need to grill, smoke some pork belly, but that's a different comment. Um, where it's like, if you say this, you have to accept all this other stuff. And I just want to say, as the church of Jesus Christ, we don't have to accept everything that any political party has to say. But we do need to follow everything that Jesus has to say. And we ought to make our voice heard that this is what matters to us because this is what matters to God. And yet, we cannot put our hope and our trust because last time I checked, Jesus was never on the ballot. Even if I ran for office, which I won't, because I don't even know when we've, my wife told me last night, I'm voting this Tuesday. I didn't even know, but she told me. That was awesome. Now I know. We need to lean in to the biblical values and we can't avoid the political tension as much as I would like because the truth is our world still has a lot invested in that, but we need to be people who can talk differently about those issues. I'll think back to uh, my series last fall when I preached, uh, we need to talk. Right? We talked about gender and sexuality, abortion, pornography, different things. And I had so many conversations with people uh, in our church battling different things, family members walking through different things. And I really, maybe the people that didn't like it left, I'm not really sure, but uh, so many people came up and said, thank you for addressing it in such a way that's different than the loud things that we see. Because remember what I said, like our media their job is to get clicks. Their, their job is to gain viewership. And so being like normal, Bible-loving, Jesus-following, Christian in the middle, it's not that attractive to the news hour, but I think it's paramount. It's imperative for our society that people get involved, but do it in a way that honors Jesus. Amen? All right, and the last tension that I want to mention is a missional tension. Um, And my encouragement is that we all need to feel in our heart what we know in our head. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, I know there's some differences of opinion on how we're supposed to evangelize. And, you know, a lot of this comes back to a generational deal, right? I mentioned that study. 40% of people my age and younger, 40 and younger, think it's wrong to tell somebody else that their faith or their religion won't help them, that it's wrong. And um, so I don't, uh, you know, I would just say if you're in a generation that feels comfortable telling somebody about Jesus, do it. And if you're in a generation that is uncomfortable, figure out how you're going to do it. Because no evangelism is not the option. It's not available to us. If the wages of sin is death, it's impossible to say that you love your neighbor and stay silent about that reality. I'm totally open to discussing the method, figuring it out. I think we have these kind of talks as a staff fairly regularly even. So what are the realities of how social media has influenced and what are the realities of, we talked about, remember, front door, transactional, backyard, relational. I'm good for all those conversations, but here's what I know. No evangelism, no mission is not an option. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Let me just say this as as I close. We all need to spend time with pre-saved people. Amen. 
if all your friends go to this church, you need some new friends. It's not because I don't like everybody here. I mean, I don't, but that's beside the point. I, mean, I, don't, I was staring right at you, Joel, when I said that. I don't know why I did that, but praise the Lord. Conviction. No, I'm just saying. Right, because I think this world needs to know some normal Christians. Right? And I don't know what normal really looks like, but like they need to know some Christians that look different than the sound bites they hear on the news. I was just so concerned, right, um, uh, when I hear them talk about, oh, well, Christians don't believe this. I was like, man, what Christian do these people know? I'm so sad that the only Christian that apparently a lot of people have ever met is an angry Christian. I'm so sad that the only people that these people have ever met is a mean Christian, right? And maybe it's because the normal ones, we just withdrew. We had our own lives, our own relationships, our own friendships, our own circle. And I just want to say, let somebody into that circle. Because where else are they going to hear? Where else are they going to meet somebody that's willing to cry with them? Where else are they going to meet somebody that's like, yeah, that, that hurts me too? Where else are they going to meet somebody else that's like, man, I could, I could walk with you? I'm just saying, like, where else are they going to meet somebody that's different if it's not us? So if we're missional, we, we, we need to just, I don't really care what the method is, just do it. I say it this way at the bottom of your notes. Let's not belittle the method if the message is biblical. Right? Like, cool, somebody's younger than you, they're doing it a different way, that's fine. Let them do it. At least they're preaching Jesus. Like, I, I don't think, just so we're clear, I don't think anyone, has ever gotten saved watching two Christians argue about the right way to evangelize. I'm telling you, we got Christians wasting all their time fighting with other Christians. And for the most part, they're not even fighting about things that matter. You know what I'm saying? You've met that person. You've seen that person. Hopefully you don't look at your spouse, they're that person. You know what I'm just saying? Like, like, we got Christians fighting about so much stuff, and I'm like, why not just be different and say whatever it is? So this is my prayer for us today as I close. It's Ephesians um, chapter 6, verses 19 to 20. It's what Paul asked the church in Ephesus to do for him, and it's what I ask for you to do, not only for me, but I will do for you. I'm going to pray what Paul asked for this prayer. He said it this way, Ephesians chapter six, verses 19 to 20. He said, pray for me that whenever I open my mouth, if I could translate that to 2022, whatever I post on social media, whatever I say when people know that I'm listening, whenever I say at the water cooler, whatever I write, whatever, whenever I open my mouth, pray that words may be given to me so that, this is the why, this is the important reminder for us all today, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. Side note, let me just mention the Apostle Paul had a great revelation of Jesus on that road to Damascus. <laughs> he wrote, two-thirds of the New Testament or a third, you know, and I'm like, what did he say? It's a mystery of the gospel. Perhaps 
We might be more successful in our mission if we were less sure of everything. Right, you know that. Like, look back over the last couple of years. I don't think, I think there's been such a significant decline in trusted leadership because it's a coin flip if leaders said something that came true or not. We've mentioned this, right, when it comes to Christ things. Like, we gotta be careful. I remember this, even in the Assemblies of God, as an older generation, if we used to say things that are biblical, if they're not, when people discover that, everything falls apart. Perhaps we'd be more successful if we just allowed people in on a journey. The apostle Paul knew a ton of stuff and he was like, it's a mystery even to me. He said, pray that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador. So this is what I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna pray that we would all become a little less fearful, that we'd all become a little more fearless, that when we open our mouth, we post online, however we live our lives, that we'd make known the mystery of the gospel. Because if you're here and you know what I know to be true, that the wages of sin is death, but that the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord, I can't think of anything greater than to make sure everybody in my life knows that they don't have to spend eternity away from the Father. Jesus came, he lived a perfect life. He died on the cross, but he didn't stay dead. He was resurrected. Today he's alive and he wants us to live with him forever too. (laughs) The gift of God, it's eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Would you bow your head and close your eyes here this morning? I wanna pray for us that are here, those watching online, watching at a later time. I'm gonna pray for everybody. Maybe you're here, you're not right with God. There's sin in your life. You can be forgiven today. You can be made whole. Bible says, you gotta admit you need help. You can't do it on your own. You need the help of Jesus. You gotta believe he's the only way. He left heaven, he came to earth. As I said, lived a perfect life, died, was resurrected. And confess your sin. If you repent, you turn away from that sin. The Bible says he'll make you a new creation. The old will be gone and the new will come. So for those that are here, I pray, you weren't here by accident, watching at home. You realize, man, there's sin in my life. I pray you just give it to God today. Receive Jesus into your life. Be forgiven. I pray for those that are right with God, but you've been living silently. I pray that whenever you open your mouth, that you would declare fearlessly the goodness of God, that there is no other way but he made such a way for us. And I pray for the church going forward. Yes, here at Celebration, but also the Big C Church, the church of Jesus Christ, that we would be be filled with believers who are willing to do whatever it takes to lean in in these tensions, to see as many people as we can come to know you, Lord Jesus. I ask that you'd strengthen us all today for the task at hand. And we ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Well, I did this in the first service too. I talked too long and I had some more stuff, but I'm just gonna end rather abruptly. We do that sometimes here at Celebration. Not like overly scripted. 
I had hopes that you guys would lead us in this song again this service, but I messed up again. Praise the Lord. I'm not messed up. I just, whatever. Um, maybe messed up. I don't know. But I believe our greatest days are still ahead of us. Amen? Amen. Amen. If you're able, just stand to your feet. I'm going to have Pastor Dan come, give us our closing instructions as we uh, look forward to the rest of the summer and the events that we have. Thank you, Pastor Dan. We hope that you learned something from this message and are able to apply it to your life. If you gave your life to Jesus for the first time or for the 10th time, please reach out to us on Facebook or email us at info at celebrationchurch.net. Thank you for listening. We'll see you again next week.